Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Theology Central Podcast. It is Sunday, March the 13th. 2022. It is currently 9.05 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live not from the middle of nowhere, Texas. I am actually coming to you from somewhere, Texas. I'm coming to you from a city of, what, 120, 140-something thousand people. I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas this evening. Typically, we're in the middle of nowhere, but I'm coming to you from Abilene, Texas, from my home, not my study. I'm I'm here in the upstairs room, okay, which is kind of a, a classroom is really what this is, where we do homeschooling. So this is really the the homeschool room, uh, and well, we're we're trying this out. A, a couple of reasons we're trying this out. Number one, I now have the ability to go live here because of well, because of a situation that used to cause disruption. That situation it no longer exists. So this gives me the ability. To, to be able to go live more frequently from the home. Um, and another reason is the other day we went to put gasoline in the car and it cost us over $40, okay? That was, that's an all-time record for us. Uh, we don't drive a large car, so $40 is the, I've never, it's never cost us that much to put gasoline in the car. And so typically where we drive, to do our live broadcast, it's what, 18 minutes, 19 minutes drive one way, 18, nine minute, 18 to 19 minutes drive back. Okay, you do that multiple times a week. Yeah, it starts adding up. So uh, we may try to uh, mix it up. Well, sometimes I'll go out to the church. Sometimes I'll do some broadcasts from here. And in some cases, it may just give me the ability. I may go to the church the same amount but then I can add to what I'm the broadcast I'm doing there. Then I can do some broadcast here. So um, we will see. We'll see how it works, and um, especially if there's anything like a a breaking you know news situation, I can immediately come up here and uh, turn on the microphone and go live. So we will we will utilize this to the best of our ability, and uh, hopefully it will benefit everyone. Now I know it's Sunday evening. It's a little after nine o'clock here in Abilene, Texas, um, and I know I I didn't want to use this as an opportunity to do something really intense or any really in-depth study, but I thought I would bring kind of a a devotional message this evening by turning our attention back to the Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, a book written over five hundred years ago, a book that has had massive influence not only in the world of Catholicism. I will I will argue at least from my experience, and this is as someone who went, you know, to pursue a degree, a, a degree in Catholic theology, I would argue the imitation of Christ, and I don't know, I cannot prove this, but I'm saying just from my, what I have witnessed and experienced, the imitation of Christ has had more of an influence in non-Catholics than it had in, in, in any Catholics I met or in anybody in, in, in any of the classes that I attended at a Catholic university. It, it just seems like for some weird reason, this book has had a an influence in the Protestant world. Even Protestant publishers, whenever they release their collections of like some of the greatest books in church history, The Imitation of Christ usually appears in those collections. So it, it's really interesting. I'm not saying it doesn't have any influence in the Catholic world. I'm just saying from what I 
have experience, which obviously is no scientific, you know, study. I'm not, I'm not stating anything dogmatic. I just think it's, it's interesting. So we've been working on the book now for a number of years. And uh, whenever we have an opportunity, it's always just, it's easy to pick up and to, to work on and have some devotional thoughts. I'm a little concerned about the chapter that we're getting ready to look at uh, because it feels very, can I say this word, feels very charismatic to me. Um, and you know my dislike and disdain and disapproval and rejection and downright hating uh, hating charismatic theology. But you can tell me what you think. So what I'm going to do is, is I think Thomas Akempis has probably one, one way of thinking here, and I'm going to take his way of thinking and modify it a little bit and try to find a way to make it practical and beneficial for us. So that's what we're going to do on this Sunday evening and this special broadcast. So are you ready? We are in book two. We are in chapter 8, book 2, chapter 8 of The Imitation of Christ, written by Thomas Akempis more than 500 years ago, a book that has proven to be extremely influential in many walks of Christianity. And, uh, well, here we go. I'm on page 75 of my copy of the book. Now, the, the title for my copy, now, some, ti- some, some, some editions of the book uh, don't... Don't really have chapter titles. Some do. We, we noticed a lot of different things when we were working through the book together as a church before the COVID situation. But my copy has this. Familiar converse with Jesus. Familiar converse with Jesus. Or you could say familiar conversation with Jesus. And when I when I saw that, I'm like, familiar conversation with Jesus. What exactly is Thomas Akempis thinking here? What is he going to try to, what kind of idea is he going to put forth? Let's see where he goes with this and what we can do with it. All right, here we go. Again, chapter eight, book two, Imitation of Christ, Thomas Akempis, page 75 in my edition. Here we go. When Jesus is present, all is good. And nothing seems difficult. But when Jesus is absent, all is hard. When Jesus is present, all is good and nothing seems difficult. But when Jesus is absent, all is hard. Now, at, at this point, in that first opening sentence... Clearly, Thomas Akempis doesn't lead us to any immediate discussion about conversation with Jesus, but he speaks of the presence of Jesus. And this raises all kinds of questions. Is there ever a time in your life or my life where Jesus isn't present? I think we would understand theologically that Jesus is always present. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's always present. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are indwelt and sealed by the Holy Spirit. So in one sense, he's always present with us, right? I I think we would have to acknowledge that. But is there a sense, in other words, there, there is kind of his, can we call that his indwelling presence? Can we call that his 
abiding presence? Is there a, on top of that kind of abiding and dwelling presence, which he's always with us because as a Christian, I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Christ is with me. Is there a, is there a separate sense? Is there a, is there a different sense in which I can say Jesus is with me or not with me? In other words, there's an indwelling, abiding presence, but is there a, how can we call it, the presence of fellowship? Is there a way to draw that distinction? Is there a way to draw a distinction that, well, Jesus is with you because he's abiding in you, but the presence of the Holy Spirit, he's he's with you, and, and is it, you know, he's always with you in that sense, but there's another sense where he may not be with you, and that is the presence of, say, a fellowship. Is it is it even biblical? Is it even theological to draw that distinction, or is that a distinction where you ultimately are just trying to create one where there really isn't one? Are you are you are are we making things too complicated there? That that's an important question. Let's see where he goes with this, and, and we'll see. We may have to return to that. I, I just I think it's. I know that that some. Well, let, let let me ask it this way. This is very important. I will hear Christians, and you and to I know there may be people listening currently who have come from a charismatic background. And I know not only in charismatic backgrounds, I've even heard this in, in Baptist churches that are very anti-charismatic theology. They will say something like, I can feel the presence of Christ tonight. I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I can feel it. Jesus was present tonight in that service. You could just feel his presence. You could feel the conviction. And whenever people talk about Jesus being present or the Holy Spirit being present Whenever I hear that kind of language, I always stop and go, okay, is that a subjective thing or is that an objective thing? Like, how do you know he is present? And a lot of times they point to a feeling and an emotion. And what I find interesting is sometimes when people say, oh, I felt this. Well, if you go back and kind of you know, rewind and watch the tape, well, that'll be something about the music the lighting, the emotion, the the sad story told at the end of the sermon to get everyone crying. It, it, in other words, there's a lot of very, how can I say this, human ev- inventions to create a feeling, an atmosphere that gives everyone a sense of the presence of God when it may not, when it may not be anything other than human beings creating an atmosphere and a feeling so that everyone then just immediately credits that feeling with the presence of God when it may not be anything other than human manipulation. When you say, he is present with me, I feel him, that to me is the most subjective thing in the world. What is the objective way of knowing Christ is present? Well, I know Christ is present because he said he would never leave me nor forsake me. He is with me in salvation, right? He is with me in a sense through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is there, right? Um, but he is he is there whenever I open the Bible and open the word of God. He is present, right? It's his word. 
I mean, I, I, what other ways would you look? Now, some in a sacramental system, like within Catholicism, they would look to Christ being present in a sacrament. Well, I believe in an ordinance. So in, say, the Lord's Supper, I, I would say I rem- that we are there remembering him. Some will say, well, two or three are gathered, he is present, but that context is church discipline. So you could say he's present in church discipline. So when we start speaking of, of him being present in some special way, it always seems to, it all. I mean, I, I could be wrong, and anyone anyone can can offer their opinions or thought this evening in, the, in either Discord or on the on the chat there in the Spreaker app. I, I just feel like that we always re- refer to his presence connected to some kind of emotion, and I just think that's the most misleading thing ever. I've heard people talk about, I felt his presence. And then you go back and listen to what was preached and you're like, that was complete, utter apostasy. That was, that was apostate in every way, shape or form. Or I felt his presence and it'll be praise songs by some group who denies the doctrine of the Trinity. I felt his presence and they, they carried out the Lord's Supper in the most unbiblical sacrilegious way possible. Like what? How, is his presence determined by the the accurate preaching of God's word, true doctrine and theology, tr- worshiping him in spirit and in truth? I, I just I don't know exactly how I, I I've struggled with this. Maybe this is a question that I've struggled with through a good portion of my Christian life. So I know I didn't get very far into the book. I know we didn't get very far. But when he, when, when Thomas Akempis writes, when Jesus is present, all is good and nothing seems difficult. But when Jesus is absent, all is hard. Well, then immediately I was like, I want Jesus to be present because I want everything to be good and I don't want anything to be difficult. Well, how do I know when he's present? How do I know? And it almost always, the answer always goes to a feeling. And feelings are the most subjective thing in the history of the world. People feel things, All people of false religions feel that their God or their deity is present. People and, you know, people sitting around doing a seance will feel the presence of a, a dead, departed loved one. People partaking or, or using a Ouija board will feel the presence People of, I mean, feeling the presence of of a God or a deity or a departed loved one or a spirit or anything, that language is used by everyone. And it's all based off a feeling, a feeling, a feeling, a feeling, a feeling, a feeling, a feeling. And feelings cannot be what determines truth. Feelings must be judged by truth. So I would argue, or I wouldn't even, I would ask you, if you were, if you were tasked with, like right now, let's say you were sitting, we were, we were in Bible college or we were in seminary, and I just walked into the classroom, like, okay, everyone, put all your books away. The only thing you can have on your uh, desk is a Bible. Using that Bible and using that blank sheet of paper, I want you to write out a argument for how someone can determine God is present, and all you can use is your Bible and well, and then that piece of paper to write it down. What would you write down? What scriptural, what scripture would you give to say this? This would be how I know God is present. 
And then if you take what you write down and we took it to a logical conclusion, where would we end up? Would we end up with something objective or we would end up with something completely subjective? Where you're like, well, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I I don't know. I I have a hard time with that. I just, I have a hard time with that. Let, let's see where else he goes with here. All right. When Jesus is present, let me read it again. All is good and nothing. All is good and nothing seems difficult. But when Jesus is absent, all is hard. So now we have the, we speak of the presence of Jesus. Now this is where I, to me it gets very, that, that already in my estimation feels kind of charismatic, but the next part seems to go extremely charismatic in my estimation. Or I, I guess using charismatic would be using a modern term. To be theologically and, and, and historically accurate, this has Catholic mysticism written all over it. To me, which is really kind of, a, I feel in some ways, a forerunner of the, the charismatic movement. But that's a whole different discussion. All right, here we go. When Jesus speaks not inwardly to us, all other comfort is worth nothing. But if Jesus speak but one word, we feel great comfort. Did not Mary rise immediately from the place where she wept when Martha said to her, the master is come and calleth for thee, John eleven twenty eight. Happy hour when Jesus calls from the tears to spiritual joy. Now we have, so the presence of Jesus now Jesus speaking inwardly. This is this inward voice where we supposedly hear Jesus talking to us or comforting us or giving us direction. And I think once again, this is as subjective and as confusing as confusing can be. All right. If we, if we say that the presence of Jesus is equated to some feeling. I don't, then that's just subjective. And I don't know how you ever know Jesus is present because you're based on some feeling. And typically what leads to that feeling is some kind of human invention, which manipulates the emotions. And when I start listening for an inward voice of Jesus, I mean, I've heard some crazy things. People claim Jesus spoke inwardly. Well, I believe, I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus told me this was wrong, or I believe Jesus told me this was right. I believe, I remember when my, uh, my mother died and, uh, I wasn't, I had only been a couple of months after my mother died. Some woman called my father and said that Jesus had told her that they were supposed to be together, that Jesus told her, Jesus told her that. Yeah. I mean, my dad is like, what are you talking about? Are, are, yeah. What? Who, well, he didn't tell me that, right? Okay, so, and then why is it that someone who supposedly they heard from Jesus, someone else who supposedly heard from Jesus heard something completely opposite who, to what the other person heard? It's just spiritual anarchy. So this, to me, is extremely, extremely, extremely subjective and I think spiritually harmful. And I think it's harmful because how you can be so misled. You can be thinking Jesus is present. Jesus is speaking to you. And the only thing that's present is human invention to manipulate your emotions. And then what you are hearing is your own thoughts, your own feelings, and your own desires. And you're attributing them to Jesus. And when you attribute a word to Jesus that Jesus did not say, 
You're putting words in the mouth of eternal God, and that is blasphemous, and that is dangerous. If you're going to say Jesus said, that means if you're writing it out on paper, I always tell people this is the test. If you're going to say Jesus said this to you, Jesus spoke this to you, I heard Jesus say this, just grab a piece of paper and write that out because you're going to say Jesus said, and you're going to then put the rest in quotations. You're literally writing on paper in quotation marks what you are claiming to be the very words of Jesus, which would be at that point on the same level as the inspired word of God. That's craziness. So I'm going to argue Jesus is present always with us because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because he said it would never leave us and forsake us, all right? I think there, 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 there's, his presence is connected to our, our salvation and him and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is how he is always present, right? Um, I do believe that there's a fellowship with Jesus, right? That there's a closeness we, we may have, but again, if you're not careful, that becomes your feelings, I, I feel close to Jesus. Well, you may feel, but that felt fellowship would be determined in some ways by how we live. Uh, that we, we could go into a lot of different directions there. I will say that his presence is, is guaranteed. It is with us because of his promise that he would never leave us, right? And through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So I, I would, that's the first thing I would say. And then second, his word, his, him speaking to us, is right here in his word. He doesn't speak any other way. So I will say Jesus is present with me through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that he would never leave me and forsake me. He is with me always in, in his word and he speaks to me in his word. Everything out, that is objective. Those are objective things. I have the objective promises of Jesus about him being with me. I have the objective statements of scripture that I'm indwelt and sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. All of that is objective. All of that is scripture. That cannot be argued. I know that the Bible is the inspired word of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. I, I know he is present in his word, and I know he speaks to me in his word. Everything else here Thomas Akempis says here to me is extremely, extremely subjective. So I, I'm going to stop there because I, I could go further. But I at least wanted to bring this to everyone's attention. So I want you to just think about it. I mean, I know it's a Sunday evening. Maybe you'll have time to think about it this evening. I know we, we've got a busy week in store uh, for all of us doing uh, for the Bible study exercise, everyone participating in the Bible study exercise in John 13 and John 14. We got a lot of things to figure out there. But I just want you to think about not, not just your own past experiences as a Christian, but all the Christians you know who speak of feeling the presence of Jesus or Jesus being present and speaking of some God speaking to them. And just think about either how clearly they are wrong at times or clearly how subjective it is or clearly that their feelings are always based off 
experiencing something based with maybe music or lighting or or words spoken by a pastor or it, it, there's usually something that leads to that feeling, meaning that they're they're just relying on their own emotion. I just want you to just think about how subjective all of that is and then try to think and formulate a more objective approach to it. Because we need a more objective approach because the the chaos and the spiritual anarchy brought on by some of these concepts lead people to say that some of the most ridiculous things, put forth ideas, words, claiming they're words of Jesus, which they are not, claiming that Jesus is present when clearly he would reject what, what is happening and what is going on. I mean, you know, I, how many times that did I hear at the Lakeland Revival um, was that who was, I can't remember who that was, who, uh, was it Todd White? I, I can't remember, but, uh, at the Lakeland revival, I remember keeping up with all of that and, you know, Jesus is present. Jesus is present. Jesus is present. And then they claimed Jesus was going to appear and then he didn't appear. They claimed people were being resurrected from the dead and people were being healed. Come to find out it was all fake and it was all fraudulent. Found out that so much of it was fake and fraudulent. Well, clearly Jesus wasn't present. Yet they were claiming that he was, and people were saying they're feeling it. The craziness that happened way back at the Brownsville revival. Jesus is present. I mean, every charismatic revival, every charismatic church service, Jesus is present. All right? Okay, Uh, someone said, thanks for jumping on and sharing this with us. Led me to a scripture I was trying to find earlier today. Well, I hope, I hope, I hope it did. I hope it did. But uh, I just think we need a more objective way, not this subjective nonsense, because I've just seen so much just fraudulent and wrong happening in the name of Jesus. And again, don't ever say Jesus told you something (laughs) unless it's Bible, because you're literally attempting to put the words into the mouth of God. And that is, to me, a very, very scary, scary, scary proposition. So um, this very much is Thomas Akempis here is giving us very much Catholic mysticism. And I could see why this would be very, very, very appealing to many in the modern evangelical church, which have been so influenced by charismatic theology, which really has been influenced by Catholic mysticism. So Catholic mysticism, to me, is very much leads to, to, I keep saying Catholicism, to the charismatic theology. But uh, yeah. There you go. Some thoughts on a Sunday evening coming to you live from, well, my upstairs room here in my home. It seems to have worked out fine. I don't I don't think we had any problems. I still think we need a Wi-Fi extender. I still think, I don't know exactly how they work, but I need to get a Wi-Fi extender. Hopefully they're easy to get and they don't cost much because then we would be 100% assured that this works. And it, the table works pretty good. I'm not a big fan of the chair. Um, the, the vent for the heat and the air is right here next, right here next to me, like right here next to me. I I don't, can anybody hear that? I don't know if anyone can hear it, but it's right here next to me. So, oh, I opened the vent. There you go. Yeah, you definitely can't trust feelings. I completely agree. You cannot trust feelings. If you you, uh, didn't learn anything else tonight, never trust your 
feelings, okay, because they are subjective and change faster than the weather in Texas, okay? Um, you cannot. You cannot. All right. All right. I'm being told it sound it sounded good. That's a, that's a good thing. All right. So I guess our first test was successful, and uh, we will see um, how things work. Work. I may try this tomorrow afternoon. We may try this tomorrow afternoon and see. We'll we'll, we'll give it a shot. Um, and uh, if we can if we can do things here, then uh, we're good. I'm going to go look for uh, Wi-Fi extenders and see how they work. All right. Everyone have a great evening. Thanks for tuning in. I know it's been a long Sunday. Y'all probably have heard who knows how many sermons today. So everyone who tuned in, thank you so very much. I greatly appreciate it. If you need any help with the Bible study exercise stuff for this week, let me know. All right, everyone have a great evening, a great week. God bless.